Welcome to the Embellish Podcast, where we like to talk about stories. We like to explore how embellishment makes a story better, how it allows us to connect more deeply with both the person telling the story and the subject of the story. Together, we will explore people, products, and places that have a story to tell. We'll navigate through the truths, half-truths, and outright lies and decide if the truthiness even matters. Um, there is a female whiskey society barrel pick that is available. Uh, if you go out to Instagram to female whiskey society or go visit her husband, um, which is uh, barrel proof nerd, they have an opportunity to purchase it. I drank it uh, a couple weeks ago on the live stream. It's a fantastic pick. And all of the, um, all of the proceeds are going towards a charitable cause. That's fantastic. Um, earlier this week, there was, uh, an episode that was released from my friends over at chill filtered. Um, Cole and Robbie uh, were able to try some bell meat honey, which is something I sent to them. Super glad they had an opportunity to give that a shot, see what it's about. Um, I'm hoping that they enjoyed it. If you want to know if they enjoyed it, absolutely go check that out. Uh, wonderful thing that happened today. I came home to a package from um, Jake over at the Key in the Lake podcast. Uh, had a couple of single barrels of some Australian single malt whiskey. Um, and then something else that'll be on a future episode of a podcast. So, um, hoping that you folks will, um, enjoy what's coming out of that. It'd be fantastic. Man, it's been a long week at work and it's a short one at that. I'm actually planning on taking some time off this week. We're heading up to Indiana with the hopes of having maybe an Alan Bishop sighting. Um, so, you know, the, it's just, it's been one of those weeks where I feel like everything is good and bad all at the same time. Um, check a couple things on my settings here. All right. Um, so let's get on with the episode tonight. Uh, I took an opportunity earlier this week to share out, um, to share out a, uh, uh, story on Instagram trying to capture some information did it a week before as well uh, and it's it was in reference to words that whiskey geeks really have a hard time with um, things that they're used to seeing uh, people using on a regular basis um, it's I don't know it, it is what it is so we're gonna have a conversation about wordplay and we're gonna talk about a handful of things tonight something. Uh, that you may like, something that you may dislike, something that you think that is stupid or smart or funny or whatever else. But we'll we'll see what that's about. I'm going to play with these layouts and see which one makes the most sense. Um, we'll start with this one. So wordplay. A lot of this is going to be semantics to me. Uh, these are going to be things that um, probably aren't really that important for most whiskey drinkers. Cause we have to understand that everybody that I'm talking to is likely in like the 1% of whiskey consumers where we get geeked out on certain types of words or certain types of whiskey, certain types of things, uh, whatever, whatever it is. Um, tonight while I prepare, I'm actually pouring out something that I was really excited about while I was at the Kentucky bourbon festival. Peerless released their double Oak, um, offering and i did not make it make it up to louisville to pick up a barrel or pick up a bottle from the distillery whenever they're releasing it but one of my local retailers actually has the bottle now 
and I was able to pick that up. So I want to give that a try here in a little bit. But like I was saying, most of this stuff is semantics. Most of this is is something that is um, ridiculous for us to argue over, but they can also be barriers for new people to enter into the um, whiskey nerddom. So we'll go ahead and move to the first word of the night, and that is smooth. And that was one that I actually took out of play whenever I was putting the question out there for people to look at. Um, why do we get so upset about this word smooth? Um, if you actually go look at the definition of smooth, it'll talk about without harshness or bitterness. And so that's a good quality to have. And it is actually referring to wine or food or beverages or something along that time. But I think the the problem that most whiskey nerds have with this term is the ambiguity that comes with it, because are they talking about the fact that it is not harsh or not bitter? Or are they talking about a mouthfeel? Because there's also this other phrase that we regularly use called uh, silky smooth, and that might speak to some viscosity, some thickness or whatever. Um, we can't, we as whiskey nerds cannot expect people to have the language that they need to be able to communicate those the 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 what they're experiencing, what they're drinking, what they're tasting, um, unless we take the time to educate them, because most people don't think about um, think about things like that at that level, kind of like we do, and so um, we have to kind of back off of these things. But smooth, absolutely for me, is a word that I will probably continue to use. I'll use it sparingly, but um, it it. it it's something that everyone that you talk to about whiskey is going to sort of understand what you're getting at. Um, and I think probably the basicness of it is what, um, what hangs so many people up. So, um, that, that that's sort of where we fell on that one. That was one that I, I took out of everybody's ability to add that because I was 100% sure, um, that I would get that. Right. So, the next one I want to talk about is juice. God, I hate this word. Um, don't really know why, but it's this word that we keep using to try to keep from saying the word whiskey or bourbon over and over and over again. But it's not a better term. I don't think that it is. Um, it's not great. Like juice is, is something that usually comes out of fruit. Like you usually squeeze some type of fruit to get it. Um, and it, it's... It's just not, it's not, it's not a great word. Uh, you know, we, we got to stop using it. I use it. Everybody does. Um, the, the, the next word that I want to talk about, um, and I'm going to blow through some of these fast and some of these relatively slow is tater or tater sticker. And this is one that I do want to spend a little bit of, a little bit of more time talking about. Um, if you're new, if you're new to this realm, if you're new to thinking about stuff like this, the idea of a tater is generally going to be reserved to someone who pretends to know a lot about whiskey, but probably doesn't. They're going to be going into the liquor store and saying, hey, you got any pappy in the back? Or they're going to be obsessing over the the latest uh, San Francisco spirits competition, top whiskey of the world. And as soon as it's released, they're going to go out and they're going to try to buy it up. And uh, as we've kind of... As, as whiskey culture has grown and as people have gone out and sought the more difficult to find bottles, um, we've had to really rely on picking up single barrels uh, to, to diversify what it is that we have on hand. 
Um, you know, 10 years ago, you could go pick up a lot of things off the shelf that you cannot get anymore. And so um, how do retailers, how do groups, how does anybody differentiate their single barrel pick from everybody else's? So somebody came up with the idea of doing stickers um, a while back, and they may be a design based off of the pick experience or some other thing. And a lot of people, a lot of whiskey nerds get really axle wrapped on this when they start they start uh, sort of obsessing over the fact that if you're into stickers or you're into specific bottles, you're a tater. And it's you know, it's, a, it's an insulting term. Um, our, our friend Chris over at Urban Bourbonist was the one that put this in. He said, you know, the, the thing with this is that it makes whiskey start to feel exclusionary or exclusive instead of inclusive and inviting. And the reality is, is that we want more people to be a part of this community and part of this environment. And, and it's detrimental to immediately hit somebody with just because they do something differently or react to things differently. Um, doesn't, doesn't mean that we, you know, we should be okay with that kind of behavior. Uh, it's similar to this, to, to me, to the idea of like making fun of brands who build out robust backstories and histories to the, to their own, offerings and while some of them may not be entirely true um, i think the average american and i've talked about this before the average american consumer is aware of that they're aware that brands are trying to get their attention they're trying to get them to purchase things they're trying to get them to do things so um all that to say that you know like a, a prime example for me you know, there's a company called good times and they're real big about doing single barrels uh, i think they're a non-distilling producer but maybe a year ago they did a bottle and I couldn't even tell you what it, what the finish was because that's another thing that they do a lot of is honey finished or, or, you know, candle wax finished or whatever the new finish is going to be. They do a lot of those, but they had a label, they had a, a tater sticker and it was specifically the amazing Spider-Man. Um, and it was an older issue looking, uh, it looked like an older issue of a comic book. And I really enjoyed that because whenever I was younger and I collected comic books, I would guess that if you are a whiskey collector, you probably collected comic books or baseball cards or pocket knives or something like it's a collector's habit. If you end up with a shelf like this behind you, it's probably because you did that as a child and you're going to continue to bolt um, with different types of things. And that's okay. There's, there's nothing necessarily wrong um, with any of that, but um I really like the sticker. Could care less about what was going to be inside the bottle, what people uh, were putting in it. And I would have, if I could have gotten my hands on it, I absolutely would have purchased it, um, which would have put me square in the crosshairs of being a tater. And and the reality is, is that I am uh, secure enough in myself to really not care about that. But if you're new and you're trying to fit into the environment, this is this is not the type of, of behavior that is good for um long-term growing any brand or any product so um i'm, I'm gonna wrap that one up the next one great value uh, this one i was sort of surprised that it showed up um, but more i the more i think about it the more i start kind of uh, realizing that why are we calling something a great value uh, prime example for me is that on the top shelf up here let me see if i can kill this real quick um on the top shelf behind me you'll find these are all what would be considered to be um bottom shelf whiskeys but they're all bottom shelf whiskeys that carry a pretty good degree of notoriety 
pretty good degree of respect among the whiskey group. Um, and they would be what a lot of people would be considering great values. But at the end of the day, whatever is in the bottle is either good or not good, regardless of what you pay for it. The idea of the great value comes into play where you start feeling like you paid too much or um, you paid too little for the quality of what's in the bottle. But does it really matter? Like you're either you either like it or you didn't like it and you're either satisfied with what you played or you're not satisfied with what you what you paid for the particular item. You know, it's almost as if the idea of great value is lowering the 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 standards that would come along with inexpensive whiskeys. And, and I think about this, you know, that if you think about subgenres of music or you think about young adult novels, um, they're they're gauged with a different set of standards and a different set of whether they're good or not, because their target audience is smaller because the person who's writing it is not as skillful at the end of the day. That's not really useful because it's just either the good or is not good. There are young adult novels that are great and there are young adult novels that are not great. And trying to say that it is a great value because we lowered the standard. That's, that's a problem, right? I, I, don't, I don't particularly care for that one. Um, and I'm blowing through these a little bit faster than I expected to. So I'm hoping that someone will will join, maybe throw a, ch- a comment out there, something for me to react to, um, continue the conversation. There's a couple towards the end that might take a little bit more time. Um, the next one, and this one is a more recent term that I've seen, is neck pour. <sighs> what is a neck pour? Like, that's what I want to understand. I, I, I watched and listened to a really good um, podcast from bourbon real talk. And he was talking specifically about neck pours and there's a video and I may put the link in the description after uh, I finish this video uh, tomorrow morning, sometime put a link to his video and he actually took a bottle and he filled it with water and he put a couple of drops of, of food coloring in it. And then he kind of ran through what it takes to try to pour what would be considered the neck pour out. And what he exhibited is basically you're not going to, whenever you go to tip something, you know, what's in there changes. Like it's going to mix a little bit with what's below it. And also you're going to end up getting more of what's off the bottom of it as opposed to what's directly off the top. You don't just get the top layer. And so is the neck pour really a thing? I don't know. And, you know, there's there's been the, the guys over the Whiskey Tribe. They, they tried to pour out a neck pour and pour out what was in the bottle and compare the two. Um, you know, you invite conversations of oxidization whenever you talk about neck pours as well. And, um, I don't think many of us are skilled enough to understand the difference between what's in the bottle and what's a neck pour. I also think that what is in these bottles, man, that smells really good. This peerless double oak smells fantastic. Um, I don't think what's it, I mean, what's in this bottle is a solution. It's a solution of water and alcohol and esters and fatty acids and any number of other things. Water itself is not going to react to oxygen significantly over time. And so if you have a small quantity of oxygen that's at the top of your bottle, you know, you got a little, little bit of water, a little bit of air that's up here. The water is the thing that's not going to react to it. And, you know, whenever I look at this, this is a, uh, So that means that um, 46.5% of that is water and the other 53% is something else. So that something else is the thing that can react. But the problem is that um, 
for the neck pore, you have such a small surface area that's actually coming into top contact with the oxygen on a regular basis. Um, for you to say that the neck is the only part that's going to retain that. I mean, as, as the inside of the, there's a climate that lives in this bottle. If you have bottles in your house, you may notice that some of them have condensation on the inside of them as they sit there. And that's because there's a climate there. You have glass walls, which is some degree of an insulator. You have a thermal mass, which is the liquid on the inside. It's going to heat up. It's going to cool down. And when that happens, this alcohol solution, this alcohol water solution is going to cause it to mix around. It's going to cause it to, um, to sort of shuffle around in there. And so I've seen a lot of people that will dump their bottle like this to try to get rid of what's considered to be a neck pour. Um, but at the end of the day, what's in there is probably already doing that because it's sitting there, it's getting hot, the liquid is sort of flowing around. Just because you don't see it move does not mean at a molecular level it's not moving around with each other. Um, I think it's just a thing that we talk about. You know, like the, it's a thing that we've made up to make whiskey even more interesting than it already is or to try to excuse why the first taste is not exactly what we thought it was going to be. Any Any number of things that could happen um, that are going to make it feel weird or off or, or whatever else. I, you know, I, I, I don't particularly care for this exact phrase. Give me just a second. That was awful. I have a pacing dog and he's going to clack through here and continue to make noise over and over again. So if you can hear that in the background, apologize. Um, we'll try to get it out and post maybe and see if we can sort through what's going on. Apparently my family has all decided that they're going to make as much noise as they can. And my new microphone boom from Blue Yeti is wanting to rise up and come be a part of my face. So um, moving on from neck pour. All right, let's get back to StreamYard. Let's share the screen again. And let's go to this one, Stone Fruit. Stone Fruit is a flavor. It's a flavor that everybody talks about. But what the hell is the Stone Fruit flavor, right? And so this is a thing that, that I spent a little bit of time looking into. You know, a Stone Fruit gets its name from, from having a pit or what would be considered a stone in the center of a fleshy um, fruit of some type. And then it usually has a thin skin on the outside. And a lot of the times that skin has a degree of bitterness to it. But consider this, right? Like this is the reason why I don't like the word stone fruit is there is a stone fruit group that might have similar flavors that would be plums, cherries, and pluots. Those all are going to have very similar flavor profiles and they're going to come out um, kind of the same. But also stone fruit could be a peach, apricot, or nectarine. Still in sort of the same flavor profile, family group, whatever you want to call it. But then there's the mango. A mango is a stone fruit. An olive is a stone fruit. A coconut is a stone fruit. If you are a person out there that is saying stone fruit, please stop. Like, just stop. Like, pick, pick which fruit it is, but or even which group. Like, oh, I can't tell the difference between a peach nectarine or an apricot in a whiskey profile, but I can say any one of those and be closer to right than saying that. Because if we go and define truly uh, stone fruit, blackberries and raspberries come into play as stone fruits as well. And so it's this really broad category that we're using to describe flavors 
if we go back to the people who are upset about the word smooth, they should probably be also upset about stone fruit because it's too broad of a category with not enough granularity to understand what the hell it is that anybody's trying to say about anything. Stone fruit, man. That's a tough one. The next one I have here, this one came from my friends over at Chill Filtered. Um, I think Robbie was the one that posted this in, but Robbie and Cole, um, they have a running joke around sherry butts. I didn't know exactly what a sherry butt was, so I went out and did a little bit of research on it, and maybe I, we have a good case for why we need to stop using the term sherry butts when it comes to whiskey. So sherry butts are essentially... Uh, in the terms that we're probably using it today, it is a barrel that held, that was holding sherry or probably aging sherry. It's probably a sherry-aged barrel. But historically, um, people who produced sherry, say you, you were producing sherry in Spain and you want to take it for sale to England, um, they have a solaire process, and so they reuse barrels, and they use them over and over again. And so they actually specifically constructed barrels for transportation. So they would put them in, the, they would take them out of their aging barrels and put them into these sherry butts for transportation across the channel to England or to Scotland or to wherever it is that they were going to go. And then they would bottle it on site wherever the, the sale was going to happen, or maybe it would go into a, a bar or a whiskey joint or, or wherever else. And so those barrels are what they were initially using to age scotch in. Man, those guys know what they're doing. Um, and how does that differ from a sherry age or a scotch, a barrel that was used to age sherry? Well, uh, most likely, at least historically speaking, most likely these barrels are going to be what would be considered wet barrels when they get to the scotch distillery to be aged in. So there may be some degree of moisture still left, some degree of sherry that is still existing inside of that barrel. And so sherry butts were the ones that were used to transport it. Well, as standards of identity changed, um, it required that if you want to have something labeled as a sherry, it needs to be made, aged, and bottled in the same country. And so these sherry butts now become the barrels that they aged sherry in that they then ship across. And so now that barrel is drying out, it's doing some other thing. And it's also probably going to be aged. Uh, you know, the sherry is going to be aged a significantly longer period of time. And so some, maybe some of the goodness in the barrel, some of those, those lignans and the, and the tannins and the vanillins that are inside that particular barrel are now gone because they were imparted into the sherry itself. And there's not a lot left in the wood to be extracted. So what we're getting now is a little bit different than that. And then beyond that, like there's this there's this conversation that's happening amongst um, single malt drinkers, amongst sherry drinkers, amongst scotch drinkers. Um, there's probably not enough sherry being drank to provide the barrels needed to age scotch like scotch is a significantly more popular beverage than sherry is and the amount of people drinking it is larger and so there are companies likely out there now that are making sherry with the explicit intent of using that barrel to then age scotch and so my question becomes like is that even good sherry right and so when we're talking about sherry butts using the term sherry butts from you know from days of yore um what we're using now is probably a far um far removed version of that and so we probably should just be like it's a sherry barrel 
um, because we're not using the same type of situation there. But also there's also this like sophomore joke that you can have about, you know, butts and you just get to laugh about it, which I absolutely am here for. I'm on board with it. Let's, let's all have, have fun with it. Next one, just a general term. It's really good. What, what does that mean? Like what makes it good? Um, One of the things I'll take from that is that I've done a series of, virtual tastings with friends. And so um, the collection that I particularly have is nothing, there's nothing like groundbreaking or amazing on any of the shelves behind me. I'm proud of what I have. I enjoy the beverages that I have, but there's nothing ridiculous. But I started collecting with the idea that I was going to have an in-person whiskey tasting in my house. And as I got closer to having enough bottles to do that, I also had children. And I learned this new thing, this new thing that's called uh, day-to-day cleaning versus somebody's coming to visit cleaning. And so um, the idea of having to clean well enough that we're going to have visitors in all parts of our house started to get more and more attractive. So what I backed up and did is I just kept collecting bottles. And then COVID hit, and I found this wonderful opportunity to be able to share these bottles but also not have people in my house. Like right now, I can host a tasting and they don't know if I'm wearing pajama bottoms, if I'm wearing shorts or if I'm wearing a pair of jeans, literally doesn't matter. And they could do the same thing. And then there's also like, not this question of who's going to drive them home. How much did they drink? Did we, you know, they're sitting at home. And so I gathered up all the supplies. I, you know, I get them to all my coworkers that are in this town. Um, And what I found is that people start with terms like really good. You know, they, they start with this idea of uh, generic, terminology because they don't have the language to communicate what they want. And so part of using words like really good is just sharing it in education. And that is, you know, as we whiskey geeks kind of get these people in, the idea is to move them past terms like smooth and really good and uh, great, great value or uh, stone fruit. Those are all sort of generic terms. And, and we don't do that by telling them what's in there because at the end of the day, nobody can pick a flavor of something that they've never drank before. And then there's also this concept of, you know, if I tell you this tastes like bananas, do you think it tastes like a banana? Do you think it tastes like banana pudding, banana runts, or banana milkshake? Because those are all four different versions of banana, and everybody has their own version of that. And so these we have to educate them on how to pull these terms out, and really good is one of those. The last term that I have is one that I got from um, Single Barrel Snob's wife. Uh, She goes by Rebecca Railroad on Instagram, and she passed this to me. And before I get to it, this this one's a lot more serious, I think. And as, as I became a father of girls, my awareness of stuff like this heightened. And that's really sad. Like, I feel... I feel pretty bad about the fact that like, I never thought about this before. And so there's this term that we've used a little too generally of, uh, rapey or raped. And I'm not going to let that hang out on the screen too long because it's just sort of inappropriate, I think. But, um, when you go into a liquor store and you see somebody who is charging, you know, uh, there's a local liquor store here that's charging $300 for a bottle of Elmer T. Lee and not the hundredth year tribute, just a normal bottle of Elmer T. Lee. It should be a 60 or $70 bottle. Uh, 10 years ago, 
John would be like, oh, that's a, like that, whoever buys that's going to get raped. And it's really, it's terrible. It's just absolutely terrible because we, like, are we really saying that someone overpaying for a bottle of whiskey is equal to that degree of transgression for a person? And it's absolutely not. You know, you're, they're two completely, completely, different concepts and so that's one that we have to be cautious of that's one that we have to remove from our terminology that's one that we if we see other people using it we need to be cautious of it because at the end of the day as we sort of flatten the earth the, the world is flat because we can all have access to all the information that exists everywhere but as that happens more people are able to see us say things like this and it's um desensitizing something that should be sensitive like we should not be taking away any of the the weight of the word by using it so um casually right and so that that's when we got to pull out i don't i don't you can disagree with i have you know nine words we've talked about here tonight you can disagree with eight of them that's perfectly fine this one there there's not a whole lot of room to disagree um if you don't like that you can absolutely unfollow i agree i get it you know it is what it is um that runs through the words that I wanted to talk about tonight that, you know, this is, you know, maybe a fireside chat type concept for me. Um, I enjoy doing it. There's a couple of other, there's three or four other words that kind of came into play. There's, you know, unicorns or secondary or flipper. Um, those are all terms that I want to get to later on because I want to have a conversation. I've been listening to bourbon pursuit has been doing a series on is bourbon broken, you know, and, and I have thoughts on is bourbon broken, but I don't think that um, I don't think I can cover it here. I think that's, you know, essentially an episode in and of itself. It's 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 a complete it's a complete thing. Um, you will have to bear with me. I'm trying to to pull up another document. Um, so those are the words I covered. You know, we talked about smooth juice. Tater or tater sticker, great value, neck pour, stone fruit, cherry butts, really good. These are all things that some of my great friends on Instagram have brought to me and said, hey, you know, this is a term I don't like, or this is a thing that I you know, I think we should talk about or, or whatever else. I appreciate everybody's input on this. Um, I'm not I, I'm not good with tasting notes off the cuff. I would have to spend some time with this. But if you get an opportunity to buy a double oak peerless, um, absolutely do. This is fantastic. I'll go back to my earlier statements. Go pick up a single, uh, a female whiskey society single barrel pick if you get an opportunity. It is a great, great selection. Um, let's see if I can find. No, I can't find it. Um, I appreciate anybody who comes along and visits this. Uh, you know, I've I've picked up a handful of followers, which is completely unexpected. So if you're doing that, that's fantastic, and I appreciate it. Um, I've got links to most of my um, profile stuff: Instagram, Twitter, uh, website, uh, whatever happens to be. You know, subscribe somewhere if you get the opportunity. Um, th thanks for hanging out. If you, if you came by and listened to this. You know, while I'm talking, after I did this, you know, at any point in time, if you think you want to join this, reach out to me. I've got other things to talk about. I've got a list of 
of you know these fireside chats that are that are coming we're going to talk about you know, we talked about words to hate we're going to talk about water we're going to talk about small batch bourbon we're going to talk about you know changes you know like the, the there's a there's a bottle that is i can't remember it's over here that is going to be um something that a particular distillery decided they wanted to change how they operate and how they deal with um creating new products and i think those things are are worth us having a chit chat about um i see i thank you robbie for showing up uh you, you already i don't know how long you've been here um but if you've been here for very long you got to hear me talk about sherry butts if you haven't been here for very long you're gonna have to roll it backwards and listen to me talk about sherry butts um, that one's explicitly for you 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 guys tossed it out there and i talked about it a little bit tonight so um, I don't have a whole lot else to say tonight. I'm not going to roll this out for an incredibly long amount of time. Um, I was trying to find the outro video that I created at some point in time and have that ready to roll through here. Uh, I planned on starting at 9.05, started a little bit late because the family the, didn't wrap up the evening. Everybody's on fall break. Uh, wife's a school teacher. Both kids are out of school. So didn't get it get enough time to prepare and load things in um and robbie if you're still here you're more than welcome to join if you want to hop on and chit chat for a second um i do have like i said i'm, I'm running Streamyard tonight next next week i'll probably do uh, obs ninja which is another way of streaming and bringing uh, being able to allow people to join you at some point in time we'll see which one of these is best i've heard a lot of uh, complaints and maybe not so positive things about Streamyard specifically, I've heard some good things about Streamyard. I've seen a lot of people using it, and you can see there's a, on this side there's a little label here that says it is uh, obviously Streamyard tonight. I'm gonna give it one more chance. I'm gonna poke around on these video files and see if I can ramble long enough to find it. Um, but uh, boo -boo nope. Definitely not going to find it. Um, appreciate everybody for being here tonight. Uh, Robbie, thanks for showing up and, and leaving a comment here. Hope to have you on with me one night. Um, if you got any ideas on other things you want to hear about, put it out in the chat. Absolutely. Dump it in a comment. I'll come back. I will review it. I will obsess over it. I will probably cry if it's bad. It'll be fine. Every, this, 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 this is fine. Um, so appreciate everybody for joining me tonight. Whenever I post this later on, we'll probably have um, some sort of an outro here. So I'm not going to do a lot of talking at the end, but thank you. Thanks for listening to the Embellish Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe. Check out our website at embellishpod.com and follow us on social media at Instagram and Twitter to keep up with what we have going on. If you have an idea about a story we should talk about, send it to us at embellishpod at gmail.com. And remember, whether famous or infamous, a good story mixed with a touch of embellishment makes the food you ate, the drink you drank, and the places you visited just a little more memorable.